welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Dr. Barbara Krebs Pohl, who is a highly regarded business development executive with an outstanding track record of accomplishments of revenue and forging successful alliances with pharma and biotechnology companies worldwide. Since joining Morphosis in 1998, Dr. Krebs Pohl has successfully led R&D teams, international alliances, and negotiation teams spanning a broad variety of deal structures. She's also the winner of the AstraZeneca Business Development Executive of the Year 2013 award. Prior to joining Morphosis, Dr. Krebs Pohl earned the opportunity to work with Nobel Prize winner Sir Greg Winter at MRC LMB Cambridge, UK. She holds a PhD from the University of Mainz in Immunology, Theoretical Physics and Biochemistry. She is a Master of Science Chemistry from the University of Cologne and further trained at the RWTH University with focus on medical biology and bacteriology. Welcome to our show, Barbara. We are so excited to have you with us here today. Hello, Divya. I'm very pleased to be part of this. Thank you. So you have such an impressive background, just reading through it. It's just very overwhelming just to read all your qualifications, everything you've achieved. So for our listeners, if we can start with what you do today. Yeah, thank you. So I'm the senior vice president and head of business development and alliance management of Morphosis AG, which is a German-based biotech company that decovers, develops, and markets best-in-class and first-in-class cancer therapies. And I'm also currently the Chief Integration Officer and Site Head of Constellation Pharmaceuticals in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a biotech company with the same vision that we acquired in summer. So long title. So <laughs> what does this mean? What do I do? So my team and I, we scout, we evaluate and negotiate partnerships. So partnerships with academic institutes, with other biotechnology companies, with pharma companies, Partnerships that have led to, for example, a blockbuster therapy called Tremfire, marketed by, by Janssen J&J, a late-stage therapeutic antibody candidate um, developed in Alzheimer's disease by Roche, and also Monjuvi, our own, you know, in-licensed and breakthrough therapy co-marketed by Morphosis and Insight for a certain type of lymphoma. That's, that's incredible. So congratulations. I really enjoyed you have a PhD. What kind of qualifications do you think are required to get to a position like yours? Yeah, so I mean, I have a, a master's degree in chemistry and a PhD in, in biochemistry pharmacy. I also learned a lot, you know, on the job and during the past years of intellectual property, finance, business, even legal. I sometimes, you know, think already like a lawyer. Um, but I think the good news here is for anybody who wants to, to get in such a job that you come, can come from several angles. So you can come from the life science uh, side of it, as I did, but you can also come from the finance or business or even legal side um, from it. I think what's important is that you really like the blend of you know, science and business and uh, working with, with, with people, partnerships. So somebody just graduating college, right? Very interested in chemistry and also thinking, oh my God, business might also be something very interesting. You think they should actually look at roles like these? Yeah, good question, because I'm probably one of these examples where I did not plan the career like this. So I 
I got there on the way. And so therefore, I would rather recommend do what you really love, because then you will be good at this. And then, you know, the, the career will just happen. You know, so when, when I started with chemistry, that really came from, from having helped my father, who was a veterinarian, um, in the lab. And I really liked that, you know, that part of research and, and working in the lab. So I studied chemistry, but while I studied chemistry, I really fell for biochemistry and molecular biology. So I started to deviate already from, from that idea. And then when I really um, had the possibility to get a scholarship um, to go to Sir Greg Winter's lab in Cambridge in the UK, I was really fascinated by human um, antibodies. And that brought me to morphosis. And then at morphosis again, I started in the lab and it, um, from, from working in the lab, I then um, happened to also um, help convince clients of Morphosis's fantastic antibody um, technologies. So um, this is how I got into project management and then managing alliances that finally got me into also sourcing new partnerships. So I didn't plan that at all. It, it, happened, I always found something I, I really, really liked, and then I moved on. I guess for people who want to plan a career like this, to start in life sciences like I did, is really a good idea. But I think it's really important on the way you go to find out what you really like and what you are really good at. Did you always want to be in chemistry or were there other career options you looked at, maybe at high school level? Or was it always chemistry because you were so influenced by your father? It was actually around chemistry, biology, medicine, or also become a, a veterinarian. I guess I also had the, the great advantage of having a fantastic teacher, a woman teacher, by the way, in chemistry at high school. And she did a lot of experiments with us. And I, I found it very logic and also very exciting. So that got me into the thought. But um, I also was considering medicine. and. Now, you know, interestingly enough, the way brought me back to medicine and basically applying technologies and development for therapeutics for patients. That is so interesting. So my interest in math also kind of grew because of an awesome teacher, also a woman who was incredible. And she was the one who kept saying, you know, you look for answers, but not just the solution. You know, you have to go through steps and understand how the logic works. And that really got me interested into math. So it's very interesting to hear your story where your teacher inspired you into chemistry. Any other role models or people who really helped you shape your life? Yeah, also very good question. So I'm the type of person who does not have like one role model and I exactly wanted to become like that person. So I take bits and pieces from various, you know, um, uh, people. But one I have to mention, you know, being a chemist and a woman is uh, certainly Marie Curie. I mean, I was just fascinated by this woman who did not only won the first Nobel Prize as a, as a woman in, in physics, but even twice, right? She, she won two Nobel Prizes. And actually, um, uh, Greg Winter, in, in uh, whose lab I had the pleasure to work, became the Nobel Prize for his groundbreaking, you know, antibody um, research recently, right? I had never, I had never anticipated, you know, that I would have once been able to, to work in a lab of a Nobel Prize um, winner. 
the other one that really um, fascinates me is, um, and maybe a bit more controversial, is Angela Merkel. Um, and uh, actually, I have a question. Would you even know that she has a PhD because she has a PhD in physics? And she's one of these modest women, right? Nobody even calls her Dr. Merkel, right? She has a PhD, you know? So that I find quite fascinating. And the other um, reason why I admire her is, and here we come to the controversial point, is that I, I think what she did in 2015 to let the refugees into Europe was really an act of humanity. She was criticized for this by, by many people, and it, it also created some issues, but I think it was just the right thing um, as an act of uh, humanity. And the last one maybe I want to mention is uh, my father, as I mentioned before, that I also wanted to become a veterinarian um, like him. He, he has always treated his uh, two girls like they can do anything in the world like they wanted. There was never a doubt even planted in me that a girl or, or a woman could not become whatever she wants. And when I started studying chemistry, um, there was this one professor whom I actually also admired because he was famous for the holiday show he did with the whole chemistry department. You know, he would write on a bottle of liquid nitro nitrogen into the lab and they would do all kinds of fireworks and fancy things to, to, you know, to celebrate the holidays. So I admired him, but guess what he started his first, um, you know, teaching lesson with. So I was sitting in this um, university um, room, right? And he was speaking to like maybe 200 people. And the first thing he said, like, hmm, I'm seeing quite a number of young women here you know, you'll find out that academics and, and chemistry is not for you. So I'm sure at the end of semester, we will have many less of you. And actually, I was not really taken back by that because my father had given me this confidence, like also a girl, a woman can, can do whatever they want. So I no longer admired him, but I keep studying, you know, I couldn't get bothered by this comment. That, that is definitely a shocking comment to hear, especially for someone who's actually yeah. going to teach you. How was your yeah. childhood like? I'm really curious now. So your dad was a vet. He worked in the lab. Uh, you were two daughters. How was childhood overall? Oh, we had a wonderful childhood. Also, of course, thanks to, to my mother and my sister. And we had the grandparents living with us. So we lived um, close to, to Cologne, a big city, but also close to the forest. And... Um, as a vet, you know, my father had all kinds of animals all the time. So I loved, you know, feeding the horses with him in the evening. And we spent quite a lot of time outside playing in the forest with, with um, other children. Yeah, just a very happy and protected childhood. Do you have pets now, like a dog? Or oh, a pets. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's the one thing I regret, that we don't have a pet. So we basically, we have adopted pets from an from a, um, animal home. Um, so we can, well, when we, when we are back in Germany, so right now um, I'm living with my family in the Boston area, but back in Munich, we had adopted um, a cat and, um, and a dog at an um, animal house. And we would have privileges to go there and visit them and play with them, but we, they would not live at our house because that's maybe one of the difficulties, you know, having a, a working couple and, and having teenage kids and also to have to do quite a lot of traveling for business. 
having a pet on top felt a little bit of too much of a burden, but um, maybe when I get older, <laughs> I'll get back to having a pet. Looking back, would you do anything different? No, really not. I mean, I, I, I'm really happy and grateful how it turned out for me and my family, right? That I have a career, I have wonderful children, a wonderful husband. Um, I, I'm really happy. I guess the only thing that I would give as, as an advice to my younger self would maybe be sometimes to not be too strict with yourself. So um, I'm thinking about these examples where I felt like, oh my goodness, can I really go to a ballet presentation of my little daughter when it's early afternoon and there is maybe a business meeting to be scheduled that clashes with it. And that I, I had a hard time, you know, working around it and, and had bad conscious if I moved that business meeting in order to attend, you know, the ballet presentation. And then later on, I found out, you know, it's not really something that, that mothers or fathers are, are struggling with. You don't have to feel that that's strict with yourself because you find out that other colleagues maybe reschedule meetings because they have an important dentist appointment, right? And my children are certainly as important as a dentist appointment. So you can, in the end, always work it out and can be a bit more relaxed about it. Of course, there will be things that cannot be moved where you have to attend, but you also need to take care of yourself and, and the needs that the family has seldom enough, right? And then you should um, yeah, make, make room for those. That's a great example. And you bring up such a good point. So you have kids, you mentioned two kids. When you were coming up in your career, I'm sure it was that time where the kids were growing, they had activities, you had uh, commitments at work. What worked best for you? But were there certain things or certain um, approaches that really helped you go through that whole work-life balance, managing family and career at the same time? I think it's really creating the network so you need to have a close network around you that can help you when, you know, the child is, is uh, ill or your husband is traveling, right? How you can create the security for the children, even if you are a working mom, right? And the grandparents and, and the, the in-laws played a great role here. We even had, had a so-called rented grandma in, in addition who, who helped us, right? A wonderful experienced lady with your grown-up daughter already who helped us so you have to have the safety net that gives you the support certainly also the family that accepts um, mm -hmm. that you are working and that that does not mean um, you're not putting uh, much importance also on your children and family and I guess for myself it worked out in a way that I had already built a career and I got the children kind of late but that also, as I said, I was not planning it that way. It kind of happened a little bit as, as we moved forward that I felt like, well, maybe now I want to have kids. But then there was this fantastic opportunity with Morphosis to further grow my career. And I felt like, well, let's, let's try it. Let's do this. You know, and I was successful and, and um, could step up the ladder. Um, so I'm not saying that this is a recipe for every young woman. I think every couple and every family is different. And the only advice I can really give is do what feels right for you, right? Some may, may choose to have children very early and, and others in the middle of the career or, or late as I did. 
So were there certain values that you really held close and you still abide by and you kind of want your kids to have as well? You know, we all imbibe our values in our children. What are some of those specific values? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick the, the best three values, but one that's really important for me, and it, I actually apply it in private life as well as in, in my career is respect. So I think every human being deserves the same respect, regardless, you know, with function, which, uh, which color, which sex, you know, every person deserves respect. Um, and that's something that's very important for me and how I want to be treated and want to treat everybody I work with or um, otherwise meet. I guess the other one that I really appreciate, and again, I think in private li life as well as in, in business is collaboration. It's always easier to do things together, to support each other, to build teams that can, you know, add additional views on it, additional experience. So that's also where I have most fun, you know, in, in, at work to, to work collaborative and support each other. And I guess the third one I would mention is be open-minded. And, and maybe as I already described how I, you know, made my career, being open-minded allowed me to, to jump on new opportunities and to try it out and to find out I like it and I can, can further develop. But I think it's also important in the pharmaceutical and biotech business itself, if you're not open-minded, you are probably also um, not able to strive for innovation and for, for um, improvement and always try, you know, to to bring the best forward in order to bring breakthrough therapies to, to patients that are in, in need. And it will also help you to embrace change because the business is always changing. So I guess these are the three I would emphasize. How do you keep yourself informed? And are there certain books or um, specific things that you have read that have really changed the way you think? Yeah, good point. So that's also um, quite important, of course, to be informed about what happens in the industry. So really for the industry, I'm, I'm reading Biocentury quite regularly, which, you know, gives you good summaries of what's happening. And then if you want, you can dive deeper. Other books that have really um, changed my view or helped to, to shape my view, um, I'd like to mention a, a couple. So one is the culture map. I really... Um, from, from Aaron Mayer, I really appreciate that, you know, working in a global industry to better understand how different cultures work and how to interpret and how to, again, treat people with, with respect and understand where they are coming from, which also helps your negotiation, right, to better understand what the win-win situation could be. Um, the other one is actually quite um, practical and hands-on for people in a role um, like business development is the getting to a yes from the Harvard negotiation um, project. I read that many, many years ago, and now I'm so happy to be close to, to Harvard, where I'm located right now, so from Ro Roger Fisher and, and others. A really good exercise, um, how you, know, you get to a yes without giving in. And one that I appreciate also as a people's leader, is um, nonviolent um, communication from Marshall Rosenberg, which goes again in the direction of treating everybody with respect, 
And you can apply that also in, in your private life and in business. So quite an eye-opener, actually, um, about better communication. So it's said, right? Women communicate a lot, but not effectively. <laughs> that I've heard a lot. You know, we do communicate quite a bit. We love to chat and talk, but do we do it effectively? Are there certain things that you feel we as women um, need to really improve upon or do more of at work to gain more opportunities? Because there are opportunities. Are we leaving something on the table by not doing things right? And what would those things be? Yeah, I, I think that's also fascinating me because as, as I talked about the network, right, that I built around supporting the family, and I think there is a saying also, it takes a village, right? So it speaks perfectly to that. So I think women are very good in building this private network, but we have not been as good as building our business network. And it's still a mystery to me um, why that's such a difference for us. So I think that's certainly something... Um, that uh, we as female leaders can um, improve on and also teach young college girls to better and build also your professional network. I think this is something we can, can really learn um, from our male colleagues. On the other hand, I think we don't have to become male colleagues, right? So we, you know, all these business women or, or women in finance and in business administration, we don't have to dress and behave like men we don't have to wear all you know gray gray suits right we can also use what our strengths is being diplomatic maybe less territorial and and um, use our negotiation strengths on a, on a different level build on our strengths but improve what we are maybe weaker on absolutely that's great advice by the way anything that not a lot of people know about you it's probably many things people don't know about me. Um, one is, uh, when you ask me about my career, I guess one is that um, initially I wanted to be a princess riding on a beautiful horse. <laughs> so that didn't become true. I, I understood at some point that that's not a job, that's a dream. <laughs> but I, I guess the other one, which is um, maybe a bit more um, uh, serious and, and not kidding is that I started to learn the clarinet uh, when I turned 50 and I had always admired that instrument and I really enjoy it and um, yeah I have maybe to practice a bit more but I'd like at some point to be able to play the Mozart um, adagio which people maybe know from um, from the out of Africa melody. Oh that's that's awesome so you followed your passion you started something that you never got a chance to do. We will be waiting to hear you play Mozart on clarinet, for sure. <laughs> In closing, Barbara, any final comments to the women who are aspiring to be leaders like you? Yeah, I think I would come back to, I think, my, my theme, right? Do what you love, right? Because then you will be really good at it. And then the career path will kind of be offered and pick opportunities as they come along and be confident. Don't be too shy, but also be yourself, right? Don't try to be someone else. Be yourself. You can do it. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure having you with us today. And we really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you, Divya. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, thanks again.